at the end of the day, they're driving the car. They're literally in the house. They're literally on the vacations or doing the things like it's them doing it. And for us, it's just we just want to make sure it's all coming together and they're staying on track. You're listening to your financial planner. Now what? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Here on the podcast, we are always excited to share different models and ways of doing financial planning. That's why we're so excited for this episode where Matt Fazell talks with Shannon McClay, founder and president of The Financial Gym. Shannon shares more of what makes The Financial Gym different from traditional financial planning firms, psychology of working with clients, and how COVID has impacted their firm. Additionally, she'll share the one skill she believes every financial planner needs. But first, this episode is powered by... Are your clients asking you questions about Medicare and their plan options? Medicare can be complicated and confusing, and it could leave you with more questions than answers. Even for an experienced planner, Medicare can be challenging, but it's an important key to financial well-being. United Healthcare is proud to team up with the FPA to provide you with help and information around Medicare. To learn more about United Healthcare and get your Medicare questions answered, call 855-857-9751 or email fpainfo at uhc.com. All right. So joining me today, we have Shannon McLay, who is the founder and CEO of the Financial Gym, which is a national personal financial services company with a fitness inspired approach. Shannon has been featured on the Today Show. She's been featured in the New York Times, Fast Company, Forbes, Cranes. And she was also named a woman to watch in Shapes Women Changing the World issue in 2019. So Shannon, thank you for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me on. I didn't realize my PR team had that all together. That's great. <laughs> hey, we, we do our research like, here. Yeah, I so. guess I did do all those things. <laughs> I mean, this year we need a pat on the back, right? Like we, we all need a nice pat on the back. So, um, But yeah, I, I just want to get started right out of the gate. I, I find it very interesting. Usually on the show here, we talk a lot about financial planners, you know, mm-hmm. certified financial planners. Uh, CFP exam, all those fun things. But mm-hmm. I find it interesting that your company labels yourself as financial trainers, not mm-hmm. necessarily financial planners. What is the actual difference? And why is that important to the rest of the body of the profession of financial services as a whole? Yeah. So to the people in um, the financial planning industry, there is no difference. But to our consumers, there is. And so I saw a need for for this. I was at Merrill Lynch and I was a financial advisor there. I went through the CFP training. I didn't sit for uh, the course, but I went through all the training and um, and then started you know, working with people um, outside of what qualified as Merrill Lynch clients. So at Merrill, you'd have 250,000 in assets to work with me. And I started working with, um, at first they called them my pro bono clients, but then they turned into financial gym clients. And it was this, along the way, this realization that, and any financial planner knows this, right? That money is more than just dollars and cents in black and white. It's highly emotional. Um, we give our clients goals and they sometimes hit them. They sometimes don't because um, various situations. And um, this realization that even around the financial planning industry in general, there is a... Um, a barrier for some people uh, because of how they feel around their financial situation. The two words we hear at the gym all the time are fear and shame that Mm -hmm. people feel around their money. It doesn't matter what's in the bank account. I mean, we've had clients feel ashamed of how little they have and they could have 
hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, or they maybe don't feel like they're investing well, whatever it is, they, there's this, you know, emotional attachment to it. And then the problem or the concern people have is that going to a planner, they're going to be shamed, right? Because the plan, like just even the idea of like having the planner title just makes, puts a barrier between you and the client. And I didn't want to create any of that. Um, I also wanted to change up the industry um, and and change up the jargon and the lingo and the things that maybe people weren't disconnecting with. And um, what we hear a lot at the gym is people say, I don't understand my money. I don't understand finances. But a lot of people get a fitness journey. You know, a lot of people get the, um, the, the, the connections between fitness, uh, physical fitness and financial fitness. So the trainer title just kind of went alongside of that. That's very interesting. And I love what you said about, you know, I haven't saved enough or I haven't done this. And mm-hmm. it's something I've really been stuck on this year and I've keyed in on it in just about every new client that we've brought on this year is they pass or they fail themselves in oh, all yeah. of these areas. Mm-hmm. And I guess, how do you address that as a, as a financial trainer? And how can we as you know, new financial planners listening to this podcast key in on that and help them work through that and feel like, hey, I can do this? Yeah, I think it goes to, again, the emotions people are feeling and, and feeling fear and shame around finances. And, and, you know, we hear that and, you know, they don't feel like they're doing enough or they don't know. And, and the reality is, is that they don't know because money is still taboo and we're not walking around with our bank account statements on anything, on social media, on anywhere. Um, And so we don't know what financial health really looks like. We have these assumptions. So if we have this assumption, it's something bigger and we're not there, then we haven't hit it yet. But we don't know what other people are doing because we're not talking about it. I mean, I'm sure, you know, people listening to this, you've sat with couples. We've had couples married 10 years who have no idea what's in each other's bank accounts. I mean, and you're married and sleeping with this person, have killed children with them. So it is, uh, it's still a taboo topic, money. So, you know, I think a lot of people put assumptions on what success, financial success, financial health looks like. Um, and very few people will put themselves in the, I'm successful camp because there's always somebody more or this assumption there's somebody more. So, um, you know, it's, it's really getting people comfortable with the fact of like, Hey, this is your race. This is your journey. It doesn't, you can't compare your middle to somebody's end, or it doesn't even, vibe because you could have totally different goals and a totally different trajectory than the next person. And it's just really important about personalizing you and your, and your family's, uh, place and and where you want to go. And that's a lot of what we do is, you know, when we get clients, whatever stage we're in is really helping them understand, like, it really doesn't matter what you look like right now. Like, finances, numbers are just numbers and they don't stay where they are. It's really important about understanding where you want to go and focusing on the future and not, you know, what you're coming to me looking like. Um, and also what you're coming to me looking like is perfect. It's where you are, it, whatever it is, it is, it's, it's perfect. And we're going to make it the next, take it to the next level, wherever you want it to go. Yeah. And and taking what you just said there and combining it with what you said in the beginning about, you know, the numbers don't necessarily matter how or what you're feeling. Um, No different than a medical history, right? We have our financial history. Mm -hmm. So what role does that play in your process of, of guiding these clients to their ideal financial fitness? And how do you go about that? 
Yeah, it's really important um, in the first meeting is really understanding um, where people are, but, you know, getting all the details, uh, you know, the discovery meeting, we called it at Merrill Lynch, like we call the financially naked session at the gym, getting all the financial details and digits out of the way. And then we really spend a lot of time focused on what, where are we going now? Like, what are the goals? And, um, you know, if, if money wasn't a factor, cause some people make money, the factor, right? Like, Oh, I want a million dollar home, but I'll never have it. Like, you know, just like the pre-grading yourself, right? Like don't put a, don't put a financial digit to your goal. Just what would you want to do if you could like, uh, whatever, um, what does it look like and what do the goals look like? And the goals, it's really important for us to al- align our clients' goals with what's important to them because I think another disconnect you have with getting people where they want to go financially is that, you know, they'll, they'll might, maybe they come in and say the things they think they should say, or I think, uh, unfortunately, sometimes planners will give people the goals they think they should have, like paying off student loan debt, saving for retirement, buying a home. Yes, those are great goals, right? And they are probably a lot of people's goals and paying off student loan debt. Yes, that is every, if you have student loan debt, the government can come after you forever. So that should be a goal of yours. But those aren't necessarily the goals that are going to move somebody and motivate them um, and give them joy and like give them, um, you know, excitement on their financial journey. And that's what we're trying to get people to do is to commit to this financial health journey and to want to stay on it and, and, go there. So for us, like a lot of times our clients' goals are, um, you know, having a fur baby, you know, pets Hmm. are expensive. I mean, if they haven't gotten there or, you know, quitting their job, taking six months off their job and traveling the world. I mean, the world is a different place right now. Interestingly enough, I have a couple who is 31, she's 31, he's 40, and they have been in Bali for the last six months because in February they set off on a eight month trip around the world and got to Bali and couldn't leave because of COVID and stuff. I mean, I'm following them on Instagram. They're living their best life. I mean, there are, you know, they're actually ending up, they're going to build a home there and that they're going to Airbnb. But, um, so they're doing great. But the point is that was their goal. (laughs) And, uh, that wasn't necessarily the goal when we first met, but traveling the world was a goal. So, you know, when you're trying to get your client to, not spend less or invest more and do the things that are good for their financial health. It's really important to have the things that are going to motivate them to do it. So that, that first meeting is really about kind of getting, getting those things out there that um, really resonate with our clients because that's what's going to, you know, personal finance is personal for a reason. And that's, what's going to motivate them on their financial health journey. How are you helping your trainers keep it simple. And Mm -hmm. how do you help those clients, you know, put those blinders on, not look at the other people in the gym and say, well, I want that because so-and-so has that. How do you really help them grasp that personal concept? Well, I think, you know, it's all about putting yourself in their shoes. Having a high level of empathy is, I think, is going to make you a really good financial planner over time. So you have your own journey, you walking in, but really putting yourself in the other person's shoes to the best degree possible. Um, You know, I have trainers who are in their early 20s and they'll have clients in their 50s and they're like, I don't know if I can help this person. (laughs) Like, what do I know? You know, and the thing that's always surprising to me in those situations is the client who's in their 50s who actually really enjoys the person in their 20s because that person knows more about personal finance 
that in their twenties than the person in their fifties. So they acknowledge that they have a different skill set, you know, and it's not necessarily an ageist thing. And, you know, I've had clients in their seventies and I was in my thirties, you know, when I started out it, it, so don't let age get in the way, but really the, the point is like to get yourself to that place of empathy to the best degree you can to understand what your client's going through is really important. And, um, you know, I think what I hated about the CFP process and the education is that a lot of it is not really practical. I mean, yes, it's great to know what the future value calculation is like, yes, but honestly, there's like free calculators out there, all the, you know, that you could send your client to that is going to do the same thing, like, or you could use yourself. Um, and there's certain things that like, there's so much things that are Googleable, you know, that don't necessarily ha- come in the test. And I think there's too much knowledge that's not practical. I mean, I, you know, I remember, um, you know, going through, and I think this is more in the insurance exam, but like all the different Medicare options, like A through J are going through health insurance. And I was like, how often are you going to see these? You know, so that you get, I think that's a hard part when you're learning the CFP content is knowing how much of that's actually going to apply in your job as a planner. Um, because large majority of it won't, (laughs) I mean, it just, it won't. And I mean, it's great things to know, but like, you know, most people's challenges, especially in financial planning are on the basics. You know, how do I, how do I set goals? How do I um, stay focused on the goals? How do I uh, stay on track when things get set back? Um, What do I do about, you know, the, the life scenarios that come up, like I lost my job or, um, I want to pay for college, like, like so many different things come up in reality of working with clients that are nowhere, anywhere in the, the learning process. That's, which is why the CFP process has a lot of, um, you know, uh, on the job, like, like, uh, shadowing kind of that, that kind of program. I, I know that to supplement the content, but so much of the content really doesn't come up in the day-to-day practice. As you went through the CFP education, did you have that feeling where this isn't where I want to be and that's why you didn't take the exam? Or was there another reason that you chose to to just forego the CFP exam and pursue this? Yeah, I didn't see the need for it. I mean, I had all the education I needed, right? Like I, I from honestly, for full disclosure, I was like, why am I going to pay money for three letters? Like, do I need them? I don't think I need them to do the job I'm going to do. Um just to pay the CFP board money, <laughs> my hard earned money was really what it kind of came down to. But I, you know, I had the education, a lot of the foundation of the gym is in planning and, and, you know, financial planning concepts are not just germane to the CFP. I mean, I learned a lot when I was at Merrill Lynch through their training program, there's different things. Um, but what I saw was in the practical application. I mean, you know, I've kind of joked with the team that I feel like I you know, what I'm looking for in a future financial trainer is probably somebody who has more of a psychology background than a CFP background, because I could teach anybody what an ETF is or about life insurance, but most people's challenges with their finances are just in the the mental mindset and the, you know, that kind of area. And I saw it when I was at Merrill Lynch. When I was at Merrill, I, you know, we had all this financial planning tools. They call it the wealth management tool where you put in all the information to generate this 
8,000 page report with all this disclosure information, you know, and it was very fancy and Monte Carlo simulations, all this great stuff. And at the end of the day, you know, I tell my clients, I'm like, okay, here's the trajectory and here's where we're going to go. Here's how much the markets are going to give you. Here's what you need to contribute to your savings, to this plan. And, and you'll hit your goals and great. Give them their plan. I see them in three months and I review, okay, here's what your investment portfolio did. And I'm like, what did you guys do? And like, they never did what they were supposed to do. You know, like they never did their part of it. And I was like, huh, I wonder what's happening. Like, why are they not doing this? And then of course, inevitably they were upset because, you know, the market didn't do as well as they thought, or the investment portfolio didn't do as well as they thought. And I'm I was like, yeah, but like you have to do some work here too. I mean, I always tell people on average, the market's going to give you six to 8% returns over time. So on $1,000, that's 60 to $80, your investment portfolio is going to deliver you. So it's not moving the dial a lot. Like the investment portfolio, you should make your money work for you, but like having the money, you know, and building that is really the, is, is the hardest part. And I would say to people, if I could get you to save a hundred dollars, you know, that's a 10% return. If I could get you to save $500, that's a 50% return. Like that's guaranteed. That's guaranteed. It doesn't matter what the markets are doing. Doesn't matter about a Trump tweet or Brexit or fiscal cliff or any of these things. Like you have control over that. Isn't that exciting? And, uh, that's, I don't need a CFP for that, right? I just need to figure out why people are not doing it, their homework, right? Why aren't they doing their part of the homework? And then how do I get them to do their part of the homework? You know, as you were going through that transition, like what, what was it that just inspired you to say like, okay, I'm going to break it down to the very basics of finances and that's all I'm going to do. I mean, because I saw that was the challenge or, or the, in the need in the community I wanted to serve. So I, you know, I was at Merrill and you had to have 250000 in assets to work with me. So I was getting people at a certain part of their journey, right? And, um, and so usually the, the later end of their journey. And um, I remember so many times, um, you know, running those wealth management analyses and telling somebody who met with me who, you know, they had maybe, let's say $300,000. It was their whole life savings. They felt, you know, like they were there. They felt like they were ready to retire. You know, they're in their sixties and they want me to say you can retire. And I would have to tell them they had to keep working, you know, because of X, Y, and Z until they get to X, um, you know, threshold for social security. And it was the worst feeling ever because it's like telling somebody they ran a marathon that they have five more miles to run. You know, that was like, I hated that part of my job. Um, and I, you know, would think a lot like, gosh, if I just got to this couple sooner, you know, if they just did some things and changed some things sooner, um, that would be different. And so I really wanted to, you know, we work with all ages at the gym, but I really did want to focus on the earlier stages of the financial journey because my goal was to say, you know, we, we talk about your financial journey, like a road trip from New York to California and New York is starting out California's retirement. And I would, my goal is my goal for my trainers and, and for the team is to be able to tell clients they've hit Colorado and they can retire you know, like, Hey, you take your foot off the gas. Like, and I've done that multiple times over the last seven years. And that is a much better meeting than 
the one who gets to California, you're like, hey, you got to backtrack. You got to go head back to Utah and come back. And I know you're tired and it's been a long journey, but you you got you had a few detours along the way that we could have avoided. So, um, which is the whole value of having a financial planner, having those that roadmap and having it sooner than later. So the point is, I saw the need of getting in there sooner and building these behaviors earlier into the process, into the road trip, so that um, we could get there faster. That really sounds like something that can serve underserved communities as well. You know, so many times we see financial planners going to talk to people about what a Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA, and they just might not be at that stage of their journey yet. They're like, yeah, hey, I've got, you know, $100,000 of student loan debt and a student loan debt payment that's $500 a month. Yeah, I'd love to put that in a Roth IRA too, but how do I repay off the student loans and do this? Or any number of things, right? There's, I think that's something I think that most planners don't realize too, is that, you know, they're talking about concepts that people aren't even ready to receive yet. And, um, and they really, there is a need for a lot of basic financial literacy. How has this whole year, you know, with the COVID pandemic, how has that impacted how you're working with your clients? And have you had to show, uh, focus more with them on the short term versus some of those longer term goals? It's been a, it's been a doozy of a year. Um, you know, our clients pay a monthly membership fee. And when we were hitting the first week of April is like, you know, how many clients are going to stay on? How many people are going to cancel and what's going to happen? And then most of us know April was just a freaking wild west in the markets with like people dying. I mean, it was just insane. And um, it was actually during that time that really our model just got proven um, more than anything. You know, we had clients who, you know, were like lost their jobs and were like, thank God I have an emergency fund that I've been working with you guys for a while and I'm okay to sustain this. Or, you know, and or clients that lost their jobs and we're working with the trainers on uh, filing for unemployment and how do I budget now with this new income? And then how do I find a new job during a pandemic and negotiate for a job in a pandemic? Or, um, you know, should I sell out of my 401k and uh, should I get out? Should I keep contributing? Um, what should I do? So many questions and interest rates are low. Should we buy the house now? Uh, or we didn't think we we're going to buy a house. Now we're buying a house. Um, so many financial decisions have been coming up during this time. And it just proves the need for having a planner in your life for this time. It, we call ourselves the, you know, the backseat drivers of your road trip. I mean, you know, you're, you're steering the car, but you know, we we're in the backseat kind of giving some guidance. And I feel like when the world is blowing up, you need that person more than ever. So, um, we've actually, we've, we're coming out of it this month. September will be our best month ever. Um, you know, we're growing through it and, um, growing out of it, but, um, you know, it just goes to, to highlight the importance of just having ongoing financial guidance on all the different things that happen in life. So we've actually had to so going back to your question about shorter long-term goals we've seen it all. Like we've had clients had to go, you know, figure out, okay, lost the job. How long is my emergency fund going to last? What should I do? Um, one of our clients lost her job and got a job as a, um, 
as a Grubhub driver, she's doing better in the pandemic <laughs> than before with the other job because she's like, people are tipping more. <laughs> like they, you know, she's, it, it's been game changing for her. And then we've got, you know, some clients who they had longer term, term goals, like buying a house that were two years off. And now it's happening this year because it's the right time. And, you know, they want to get out of the city or whatever they want to do. And they're like, oh, thank God I can pull the trigger on this now. Um, cause I didn't know it was going to be a this year goal. I didn't know it was going to be 2020 and all of a sudden it's a 2020 goal. So lots of, lots of financial decisions happening in 2020 for everyone. Yeah. And I think too, what's really, you know, neat about how your, your service works is, I mean, it is a, a financial gym, right? It's not like mm-hmm. you go to the gym, get a six pack and then stop going to the gym, yeah. right? You have to, you have to maintain <laughs> that. So are there situations where your clients outgrow you? Like, how are you handling that? Or yeah. how, how do you keep your clients engaged in, you know, going through this routine of coming to the gym? Yeah, I always say we have to, because our clients pay a monthly membership fee, we have to earn our fee every month, right? Because they're going to see it on their credit card, or their bank statement and wonder, should I keep paying this? And, um, and so that's our job is to, um, you know, prove that we're worth being in the backseat for. And clients have different, uh, there are different reasons why they, clients stay engaged for different reasons. So I left Merrill Lynch seven years ago to start building this. I assumed when I left, it was just going to be a one-year program. Like, hey, we do the thing for a year, you graduate, have a nice life. And um, clients one, two, and three are still clients. And we're going on seven years together now. And They've been through a lot of different things. Clients two and three got married, um, and now they have their first child. We've been we're talking about a second child possibly, and they've bought a house. They've moved across overseas. They've done a lot of different things, and and it's funny because they've they're now um, you know have different challenges, and they uh, they wanted some more kind of like guidance on taxes and investing more complicated things, and which they know I don't do, and. They're like, okay, we're going to interview other planners, but like, we're keeping you, you know, like, so, you know, we're going to narrow down and like, we want you to interview the planners with us, like, you know, and you're going to be part of the process. And we had this, this meeting with this planner with them and, uh, it was me and the couple and the new planner and like the, we got off the call, me and the couple, you know, had like a debrief of like, is, does this make, make sense? And you know, I was like, well, here, this, this, and this for the last five years, I've known them, you know, here's what I think about it kind of thing. And they were like, yeah, we were kind of thinking the same thing. So, um, so there are people, you know, like that, I don't know if they're ever going to, um, outgrow me and I, me, them, you know, so that's, that's there. But then we have people who are like, you know, I got what I needed and, um, they're more of like the workout on their own kind of people. And, graduate and, uh, and go off. And, you know, we're equally as happy about them. Like we just want the people, you know, we want to motivate, encourage, help clients level up, hit their goals, live their best lives. Um, and that's our main goal. And we love to be on a journey for seven years. We love to be on it for seven months, whatever the time is like, our goal is just to have, you know, for our clients to get to that experience. But we have joked that like we, our goal is really to train clients to do it themselves, to train us out of a job, you know, kind of thing. And, um, it doesn't always happen like that. Cause you know, there's, there are people, it's like, you know, we're kind of like a retainer fee where they're, they're like, well, you know, 
you've been in the process so long, like, you know, it's as things come up, it's easy for them to send a quick email or text and, and ask questions. And, um, especially our couple clients, um, you know, we end up being like the, the, the marriage counselor, therapist, you know, and it's like, yeah, our relationship is successful, our marriage, because you're in it. So as long as the marriage is there, then like, we're kind of part of the process too. So it's all different reasons. Um, but, um, and you know, it's just like, you know, going to the gym, people go for different reasons and some people, you know, work out at home after, you know, did a workout program and now they're gonna work out at home. And that's, we support all of it. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the most underrated, like intangible values of a financial planner or a financial trainer in this case is it's that third party or that accountability or the person who's checking your form to make sure like, Hey, you're still doing it right. You know? Yeah. We've had, you know, we've had clients. It's interesting. Uh, we have clients, we call them the boomerangs who leave and come back. Cause they're like, yeah, so <laughs> I wasn't really staying on track like since I left and we're like, yeah. So, you know, accountability is, uh, you know, people get sometimes get sticker shock or they're like not sure about paying for somebody to help them with their money or whatever. And I always say like, if you're doing it on your own and you feel highly confident, you're, you know, you can level up and all these things, then great. Don't pay for somebody or do it yourself. But um, if you're not feeling highly confident and you're not really hitting the goals, then it probably is going to make sense to invest in somebody for the accountability, the direction, just like that. We say we're the disinterested slash interested third party. So at the end of the day, we don't really care. We're in the backseat. I don't really care if you make a left turn. I don't care if you make a right turn. It's your journey. But I am going to have an opinion. And um, and I do, you know, I do want to give you some insight on what turning left means and what turning right means. And uh, hopefully that's going to help you make the most of your road trip. So, so please tell me you're not as annoying as Siri when she says recalculating. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, sometimes it's so funny. <laughs> sometimes our clients think we're going to be that, right? Like they make a hard left turn and they don't want to meet with you because they've made, you know, a decision. They're like, don't want you to say anything. And it's not my job to like shame your financial choices or like do any of that. I'm like, okay, now what? <laughs> you know, like, all right, you bought a house. So how much do we have left in the bank account? <laughs> like, what else do we have to put into the house? Like, oh, where, how are we going to afford this going forward? Like, we really don't care about the choices our clients make as long as our clients feel good about them. And, um, you know, they're, they have to own their own choices. They have to live in the house, not us. Right. And I think there's a, a lot of value and that's probably why your clients enjoy working with you is, you know, we need to be adaptive to them, mm -hmm. not the other way around. Um, I mean, yeah. of course, like we need to help them make change, but we're ultimately there to serve them and nobody likes to be told what to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, like I said, money is, and if you're, you know, financial planner long enough and you're in, hopefully having, you're engaged in your client's lives in a meaningful way, meaning like they're listening to you or like you're, you're part of some of these decisions and you do have to realize like, Again, at the end of the day, they're driving the car. I mean, they are living, they're drive, literally driving in the car, right? So if they, if they lease or buy a car, they're in it, not you. They're literally in the house. They're literally, um, you know, on the vacations or doing the things like it's them doing it. Um, and, um, 
you just like for us, it's just, we just want to make sure it's all coming together and they're staying on track to whatever it is they want to stay on track for. You have an eight-week apprenticeship program, which is mm-hmm. very intriguing to me. A lot of small firms don't have this figured out at all. What exactly are you training them in that apprenticeship? It's it's honestly, it's in the the qualitative aspects of the job. Um, and, you know, so our, our and actually the apprenticeship program started because trainer number one, Bridget started with me four years ago. And that's essentially what it was. How I trained her was she came in every meeting with me and, um, you know, she saw the process and heard the process and, um, and, you know, we talked about it out of, of, after every meeting, like what was happening. And that's what we do a lot at the gym is, um, our clients are, um, open to, you know, especially virtually it's easy to have somebody also on the call, you know, to learn and discuss. And, you know, most planners know the best way to do the job is to do the job, right? Because everybody's going to be different and you can have all the knowledge and I know all the things, but at the end of the day, you know, every first meeting is different and you have no idea what is going to come out of a first session and, um, and how to pick up on certain cues and, and what's, coming across and how do you get people comfortable sharing their financial details and uh, messaging and and how do you convey confidence to them? There's, there's a lot of qualitative training that goes into our process. That's from, you know, truthfully last, you know, 10 years of me doing this um, and the last seven of building this business, but specifically the last four of uh, Bridget started with me four years ago. So four years of knowledge collection from a lot of different trainer experiences with clients. So, you know, it's funny, my team now at the point, we're at the point in our Slack channels or communication, like if something will come up, like, first of all, I'm always shocked, like uh, in our Slack messages, our Slack channel, we have different Slack topics in our channels and somebody, you know, newer trainer will post like, Hey, has anybody seen this situation? literally at least one or two trainers at this point has seen everything. Like, you know, somebody's like, Hey, this, I saw this type of account, blah, blah, blah. Like somebody's seen it all at this point. We've literally seen it all. I mean, we've, we've seen anything from clients getting served legal notices because they didn't pay credit card bills. And now it's in court to, uh, you know, IRS collections to, um, you know, inheriting trusts and estates that they didn't know about to, uh, bankruptcies to, you know, negative dollars in their bank accounts because they had bank overdraft fees. I mean, we've literally seen it all. So that a lot of that, go, that collective knowledge goes into the training program. That's very cool. And I think that's, I mean, that's what experience is, right? That's why everyone wants to hire people with experience. Like you've just, you've seen more things, you've heard the same stories in slightly different ways and you know what to do when you hear that. We get a, a trainer, will get an email from a client and, uh, like there, we had a situation, a trainer got an email from a client that was, it was very long and it was a lot of different things in it. And I somehow got copied on it from one of our senior trainers was out, but like two, three of us saw it, like senior trainers. And we all knew exactly what the situation was like from the email that, and this relatively new trainer hadn't. And I told the trainer, I was like, just FYI, um, this client's not, it's not you. 
Okay. Cause the, the, it could be, it was very, it was kind of like personal tack, but I was like, this email is very long. And that just tells us there's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot going on in this person's life and they're feeling highly anxious. And for whatever reason, they did not make a connection with you. This has nothing to do with you personally. This is, there's a lot on this person that is getting projected on you, which is, it is what it is. And I, I reached out to the new trainer because I just want to make sure they're okay. I was like, just FYI, you did everything you could here. This person's feeling like this. And, uh, and we moved that client to a different trainer that we knew, you know, could give more confidence to this client and the client's happy, fine. You know, the other train, I mean, like to that degree that we just know from an email what's going on. We're like, oh, we, yeah, this is, we know what to do here. Right. We, we can't be all things to all people. Right. No. no. And there's so, you know, I feel that's a hard part of being, you know, in the planning industry is like, you are, you have a front row seat to somebody's life journey, which a lot of times is very rewarding and wonderful, but a lot of times it's not. <laughs> and you're the person sitting there and things that are not really necessarily your fault or challenge, like you can get um, mixed into the relationship. So, um, knowing how to manage that, manage through those, those scenarios and really helping the client get to a good place is takes time, energy, experience, all that stuff. A little bit of grace too, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Empathy. I said, you, honestly, I feel like you cannot do this job if you don't have empathy as uh, somewhere in your bones, because um, you're literally as a financial planner, you are, Yes, you have, there's concepts and ideas and, and um, you know, there's numbers. I always say anybody could do a financial plan. Financial plan, we all know, is a template at the end of the day. It's just numbers, it's math, anyone can do it. But it is how do you deliver that plan that is going to connect with your client? And then how do you keep that client on the plan? That's like the secret sauce of financial planning. And to do that, you've got to have a high level of empathy because it's not just a template anymore. It's applying that and being empathetic to the person in the shoes that you're delivering it to. Yep. And every day will be different. Every day is different. (laughs) And speaking of different, you know, your firm's approach is so different. I I would imagine the career trajectory looks a little different as well. I'm curious what that actually looks like. I know you, you have like level two, level three trainers. What exactly is the differentiation between those levels and how would a new planner progress through your, your career path? There are the levels one, two, and three trainers are based on the complexity of the client situations they see. We're actually likely going to be adding like a fourth level because there's some differences, but um, level one trainers, they're dealing with more like like not complicated financial situations, mostly college students or right out of college. So it's really like teaching the basic baby steps of finance, which, you know, a lot of anybody could do right away, right out of the shoots. And level two trainer, that's like after college, you know, some more like experience. And again, it, it is, it is an education process, but it's not as intensive. Level three is mostly our trainers who've seen more complicated scenarios and maybe there's business owners, there's, um, you know, they have LLCs, they've got other things going on in their life. They have, um, d- d- number of different types of assets they're trying to, figure out, like we don't do the investment management and we, um, we're not going to, uh, invest the funds for them, but you know, if they own uh, investment properties, you know, deciding on whether or not to, 
to get mortgages on them or how much they should charge rent, you know, just more complicated financial decisions. That's um, our higher level trainers. Um, and, you know, as far as next levels, then, you know, we have senior trainer team leads who are our mentors. And then we're also expanding now, um, going into 2021, we're offering different types of training programs, um, that we'll be announcing soon. And so there's, and then we have trainers who are, who love the educational part of it. And we, we do a lot of educational content and programming that, you know, trainer can go into. We have some trainers who just love doing plans and the work and, you know, we're kind of moving them there. We have some trainers that we have a lot of technology who want to work on that. So there's different ways they can go um, within the company. And then we've got trainers who are just like financial planners too. You know, when I was at Merrill Lynch, there were guys, you know, who had clients for 20 years. I mean, we have trainers who are like, I just want to take client, meet with them. You know, that's it. Like you can have a very fulfilling life and business. Like it never gets dull. I still have clients and I've had clients for seven years and I never kind of get bored with their journeys because, there's always something new happening and there's all, they're always going in different directions. And I find it the process, like I've joked, I'm like, I'm always going to have clients too, for like 20 something, or as long as they still want me on the road trip, I'm, I want to be in the car. You mean life's changed this year? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was too easy, that, yeah. I, but I had to take it. <laughs> I, yeah. Life changes every year. One of my favorite stories was a couple and they've been my clients for five years now, but, um, two years in, you know, their, their financial plan, they have two sons. They wanted to move to a bigger house and that was it. And then two years in, I get surprised they, they're pregnant. And I was like, Oh, I did not think a third child was in the plan. They're like, neither did we. So a lot of things ended up changing with that third child, as you can imagine. And I was like, well, this is fun and interesting. And, you know, they took a hard left and, and now a whole bunch of other things happen. But, um, that's just life. You know, that's, that's part of the fun of being in the backseat. Absolutely. And it has been so wonderful having you on the show today. I just want to let you leave our audience with one final tip. If they want to get better at understanding clients and helping them take action, what would your biggest recommendation be? Honestly, it's listening to your clients. And I know we talk about that and listening and taking notes, but listening to the point that you without judgment and that you are really getting to the point where you're understanding what they're saying. I had a life coach years ago tell me that, um, people just, people want to come to you as they are without judgment. Like that's the greatest gift you can give another human being. So as a planner, as you're meeting and listening to your clients, just the listening without judgment is truly the greatest gift you will give to them and giving that to your clients, like will connect them right back to you. Are your clients asking you questions about Medicare and their plan options? Medicare can be complicated and confusing, and it could leave you with more questions than answers. Even for an experienced planner, Medicare can be challenging, but it's an important key to financial well-being. United Healthcare is proud to team up with the FPA to provide you with help and information around Medicare. To learn more about United Healthcare and get your Medicare questions answered, call 855-857-9751 or email fpainfo at uhc.com. Love what you hear on this podcast? Join us in the FPA Activate Facebook community, where you'll find a community of other passionate planners like you. 
Not only that, but there are live How We Do What We Do sessions focused on what real financial planning looks like in practice. Be sure to join us there to lend your voice, become a better planner, and help grow the financial planning profession.